so good to see all you guys. Welcome home. It's good to be back home, isn't it? And welcome to a new season of life here in our church as we follow Jesus with open hearts, as we say yes to whatever he wants us to do and who he wants us to be in this city. We're glad that you're here. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Sandy. I'm on staff here. And I just invite you to journey with us as we go into this next season. And we're looking to Jesus for something that only he can do as we kick off this series that we're starting this morning. But I just wanted to welcome you. And uh, at this time, I'm just going to say something. Uh, in a few moments, we're going to do something with our Bible. So you all got to have a Bible. I think you brought one. And if you don't have one, our hosts are coming. they got armfuls. So everybody needs to hold on to a Bible today. It could be electronic version. could be iPad. could be your printed copy from home. Or take one of these house Bibles. If you don't have one, keep it as our gift to you. And uh, let God speak to you through. But everybody needs a copy of the Bible this morning. And while they're doing that, I just want to say how excited I am about Ben and Larissa Rain. This is awesome. We are so glad that God has linked us together. And we know he's got great things in store. Uh, ben is a Briarcrest graduate. He's, this is a family from Saskatchewan. Any good Saskatchewan people here? Yeah? We got a few? Well, this is kinship, right? <laughs> And uh, we really love these guys. We sense God drawing us to them and them to us, looking forward to how that will strengthen our church. And with Luke Toner in junior high and Ben in senior high young adults, it's going to be an awesome, awesome year for us. And we're just so excited about it. All right. I want you to take your Bible once you've got it in your hand. And every now and then we do a kind of a declaration about what we believe about this important book in our lives. So uh, we want to say some words together and they will be up on the screen. So stand on up. And I want to invite you to say this with passion. Right out of your heart, through your mouth. Hold up your Bible with pride. This is God's word. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. It is the written word of God. Every part of it is inspired by his Holy Spirit. It is true in everything it teaches and affirms. It speaks to me about God and salvation in his son, Jesus Christ. It shapes my heart and mind. It feeds me, instructs me, and shows me how to live. It reveals to me the things of the kingdom of heaven. My eyes are opened to this word through the help of the Holy Spirit. And I claim right now the powerful promises in this book over my life and future so that I may know God, love God, and do what he says. And so today, I will be blessed through his word. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. We love this book. We believe God's going to speak to us today through this book, right? And so I'm going to invite you to turn to a couple places in the scriptures and uh, put a marker in some of these so we'll get to them eventually. Matthew chapter 4. Acts chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 13 at verse 8, later on Matthew 12. I think there's some more coming, but just stay with those for now. Matthew 4, Acts 10, Hebrews 13, and Matthew 12. And uh, we're kicking off a series today about the God who heals. How many of you believe that God actually heals people today? Oh, lots of you, right. And so we're going into this series not to convince ourselves that God heals, but to declare that God heals and to step into it in greater measure by faith. This is what the gospel is all about. So 
I'm going to read the first couple passages for us here. Matthew chapter 4 at verse 23. It's an account of Jesus healing the sick. And here's what it says. The words will be on the screen as well if you haven't gotten there yet. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demonized, that's literally what it means, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. It's good news, isn't it? Gets better. Let's go over to Acts chapter 10. At verse 36, we're in the house of Cornelius, the Gentile centurion soldier, and the gospel's coming to his home. And Peter the apostle is there, and he stands up, and he says this. Verse 36. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Isn't that good? He is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's good too, isn't it? One more passage, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Just a single verse, and it's a powerful one. And I hope by the end of this message, you've all got it memorized. You can say it to yourself for the rest of your life. Hebrews 13, verse 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Can we say that one out loud? Yeah. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He really is a God who heals. And we're kicking off this series today believing that God has called us into his word to proclaim this. I've been looking forward to this series for quite a while. And uh, you should have a card in your folder on that to tell you about the messages and what's coming up. And, and we're excited about this series. Not only for what God is going to do inside of these walls, but for what God is going to do outside of these walls. As we get equipped, as we get made ready in a greater way to take the gospel of healing out there. All over the scriptures, this truth is actually abundantly shown from Old Testament to New. Showing us and proving to us again and again that God is a healing God. And yet, many believers, many Christians, many followers of God struggle with this teaching because of some experiences that they have had. And so in this six-part series, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay a solid biblical foundation upon which to express the teaching that God is a healing God. We're going to dig deep into the scriptures on this. We're going to find out how God heals, why he heals, who he heals, when he heals, and all of that. And it culminates with a special evening on Sunday night, October 15th. There'll be a message that night on healing, and we're going to trust God for meeting needs in people's lives. And we're encouraging you to invite friends, family members, anybody who needs healing to come to that event. You don't even have to be a Christian to come to that event. You don't have to be a Christian to be here today. But God is going to do something special on that night. We sense it. In the meantime, we'll be praying every Sunday morning for healing 
for anybody who has a need and will trust God for that need to be met in you. And I'm expecting the Lord to deepen our faith in new ways and give us an anchor in the scriptures to boldly proclaim our God is a healing God. There should be no shadow of, of faith there uh, in our minds about this. And I'm looking forward to this because it's already happening in and through this church. And God's just doing so many amazing things. He's healing people regularly here. I was just talking with someone over here. And uh, they had been healed, I think, about five, six weeks ago. And then they had prayed for someone and they got healed. And so God is just multiplying this right in our midst. Jesus is still healing people today. Now, I know that for some of you, this is a tender subject. And you've come here going, God, I don't want to... I don't want to get hurt. I, I don't want to um, face some issues that maybe I can't solve or, or you've got some, some experiences from the past that have made you feel like God isn't a healing God. And I, I understand that there are people here who've gone through some things. Maybe you've prayed for someone who didn't get healed and they really needed it. Or maybe you've stood at the graveside like I have with some people from our church as we lowered their loved one into the ground and they were very young. And you say to yourself, this is not the way it should be. I understand that. And I also want to invite you to anchor yourself in hope. And to live in the reality of what God says about himself, no matter what life throws our way. And it can throw some stuff our way. But we live by faith, not by sight. And so we are anchoring ourselves to the revelation of God's word to proclaim what he says about himself in his word. The Lord knows what we need, and I'm praying that he will equip us, he will give every one of us whatever is necessary to uh, express this truth in our own lives and to the lives of our loved ones and friends. And so I'm asking you to stick around for six messages. Can you stick for six? That's kind of a new phrase here. Actually, Ben Rain brought it to our church. Stick for six. Uh, we like that. And I'm encouraging you, just don't miss out on any of these messages. They build upon themselves. There's no way we can cover everything about healing in one message. You really can't do it in six. We're going to try. And uh, so if you have some questions, write them down, put them in your journal, bring them here. Uh, I trust that by the end of the series, most if not all of our questions will have been addressed through the Word of God. Sound good? All right. Hey, you want to know how I encountered the God of healing first time in my life? I'm 20 years old. I've been a believer for about a year. I'm living on Vancouver Island with some friends, and um, we're out playing street hockey one day, and we played all day long. We were exhausted. Our feet were sore. And then later that night, being young men who live in a house together, we realized the fridge was empty. There's no food in it. So we ran down to the grocery store to buy some groceries, and we got towards it, and there's this landscaped area that's terraced, and it's a, it's a big height difference from the road to the parking lot. And we all jumped it. It was probably 8, 10 feet, maybe more. It felt like a cavern, really. And uh, I remember jumping off, because we got to get into the store to buy groceries, and I landed on my right foot, all my weight on one foot. And I felt something snap. It was like a, whoa, that was really serious. So I limped into the store, we bought groceries, came back home. I'm in excruciating pain now. And uh, I'm thinking, this is not good. I mean, I'm far away from my upbringing. My parents aren't nearby. I don't have a doctor. I don't even know where my health care card is. I don't know what to do, but I'm a Christian. So I instinctively think, Jesus can handle this. And I'm already convinced the bone's broken because I couldn't even like, put it down on the floor at all. 
And so I just kind of whispered a prayer. I was sitting on the couch, the old ratty couch we had, and I said, Jesus, would you heal my foot? Just sitting there by myself. And instantly, I saw a picture of him sitting in a chair looking at me, and he said right away back to me, he said, I am in you, and I've already healed you. And right at that moment, as God is my witness, something happened in my foot, something tingled, some kind of sense of energy, strength, power, something was going on there, and I stood up, and it was completely healed. Yeah, yay God for that. Yay God. I didn't know that you could tell people about that, so I never told my friends. I didn't know you could testify about God healing you, so I kind of kept it mostly to myself. But he met me, and he healed me that day. There's no doubt about it in my mind, instantaneously. Fast forward the timelines to 15 years after that. Here I am, a young pastor in this church, and I've got sinus problems, sinusitis that occurred two times a year, was on antibiotics. I carried around 14 Kleenexes because I had so much discharge, if you know what I'm talking about. I became known as like the 14 hanky guy, right? You know, the 14 Kleenexes that you get through the day with. And so one day I got tired of this. I, I thought for a while I just have to put up with it. It's my lot in life. And we went to a conference of the Alliance in Edmonton. It was a district conference. Last session was on healing. And uh, I went forward. I said, can someone pray for my sinuses? I've been really struggling. They prayed for me. They asked God to heal me. They said, you're healed. And I went back home. Nothing had changed. And so there was, there was this bewilderment in my mind, like, what happened there? And, you know, about a week later, I'm at home, and my sinuses start to clear up for, like, the first time in five years. And uh, they were healed. They were restored. The drainage stopped. The infections ended. I think I had to go on one more prescription two years later. It was a little bit of a lapse, but it went away after that, never to come back. God healed my sinuses. But there was a gap of time in which I had been prayed for, nothing happened, and then something came later. I don't know why that happens all the time, but it just seems to happen. So we need these kind of testimonies because they help us to realize that our faith can go somewhere. God is a God who heals. And we know this because Jesus healed people on earth. This is so central to the gospel. You literally have to put blinders on if you don't want to see it, right? If you want to read about Jesus in the gospels and say he doesn't heal, you've got to just Ignore a whole bunch of what he does. <laughs> because he does heal. He healed people with fevers. He healed the lepers, the crippled, the paralyzed, the demonized, those with blind eyes, uh, those with ear troubles and deafness. He healed broken hearts and he healed broken lives. He healed all the time. He didn't just come to teach and preach. And he didn't just come to pray prophetically and declare things. He also came to heal, and to restore brokenness in people's own experience. I'm so glad for that, aren't you? That our Savior is someone who addresses sickness. It's not a small thing to him. It's not a little thing to him. It's something he came here to solve. And so when you're in the Gospels, you can't but notice that Jesus is always healing people. And sometimes he did that behind the scenes. Like when he went to Peter's mother-in-law's house, went up into her room with some friends, prayed over her, rebuked the fever, and she got up and made dinner. It was a good deal, right? <laughs> kind of private moment of healing there, and he's had some other private moments in the scriptures where he's talking to a blind guy and putting some mud on his eyes and so on, and there's some other accounts of him doing it, kind of in a smaller setting, but most of the healings of Jesus were out there in the public. They were seen by lots of people, 
You'd be sitting there watching and go, okay, so-and-so just got healed, or they think they are. And, and don't you think that some of those people would have had their arms folded like this going, yeah, psychosomatic, except they didn't use words like that back then. Psychosomatic. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll lapse on them. Probably there was people thinking like that. Uh, but Jesus healed in full public view. And uh, we read in our passage that crowds followed him around because word gets around when you pray for people and they get healed. They start coming for you, right? People who have no hope and they've tried everything and they end up searching for that answer that only God can give to them. So Jesus had all these people flocking around him. I want you to turn to Matthew 12 at verse 9 here. We're going to look at that passage. The point of it is, as you go into it with me here, that not everybody liked it when Jesus healed people. I know that's a shock to us. Because you'd be thinking, why wouldn't you like someone healed? Well, you'd be surprised. There are people who get really, really offended and bent out of shape when healing occurs. So in Matthew 12, at verse 9, here's what it says. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. The Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Verse 15, aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. Jesus healed all who were ill. In the scriptures, we know this, that every person who went to him to be healed was healed. Now, I didn't say that everybody got healed back then because some people never went to him and they lived with their sickness. But every single person in the Bible who went to him ended up leaving without disappointment. God met them supernaturally and touched their life. But here in this synagogue in Jesus' hometown, he's doing a healing and some people don't like it. That's kind of strange to me. You know, they're, they're all caught up in the rules and the regulations and the rhythms of Sabbath worship. And back then, the synagogue was the place where you worship. You gathered once a week. There were songs sung. There were prayers prayed. Uh, there was a sermon. There was a blessing. And then you went home. It was like a mini version of church. And it was the early version of worship services. Jesus goes into the synagogue and he goes in, and they've got this guy there. Can you imagine the coldness of hearts of the people that were there? They're like, let's trap Jesus, because everybody knows you shouldn't heal on the Sabbath day, because you're not supposed to do any work, and healing's like work. So there's a guy in the, in the synagogue with a withered hand, and they probably think, let's use him. It's the withered hand guy. He's here. Good. Uh, so Jesus, here's the withered hand guy in, in our service. Are you going to heal him on the Sabbath? They're thinking no one would heal on the Sabbath. If you're the Son of God, you wouldn't break all the Sabbath rules. And Jesus chides them, rebukes them, and using their laws, he shows them, wouldn't you even take care of an animal better than this? Come on. 
So he says to the guy with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. Stretch it out. And the guy's healed instantly. The strange thing is, that was the moment when they said, that's enough, let's kill him. Now, I don't know what's wrong with people when they see people get healed and they get offended. I don't, I don't understand that. You'd think that they would be happy if someone was healed, if they would you know, rejoice a little bit and say, God, wow, you're awesome. But no, there are some people who get really bent out of shape about healing. And they have a disease in their heart known as unbelief. Jesus still heals people today. He's the same Jesus who walked the earth 2,000 years ago. He was, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means to me, friends, we have to reclaim a gospel of healing. We've got to reclaim it. And we're going to really go there next Sunday uh, in a special way. But I just want to, for a moment, talk about the origin of sickness, disease, and death. Because this is part of understanding this whole thing of what happens when people are healed and um, you know, what do we pray for and so on. But the origin of sickness, disease, and death is important to understand. Where does this stuff come from? Things like colitis, shingles, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, arthritis, Alzheimer's, dementia, colds, flus, migraines, anxiety, depression, toothaches, sinus infections, blood disorders, and so on. Where does this come from? How come we have these things in this world? Well, here's what we know from the scriptures. They do not come from God. God is not the author and designer of sickness, disease, and death. God didn't create this stuff, nor does he torment his people with it. Now, in this series, we are going to look at a lot of things that we need to understand to kind of build the whole foundation here. One of them is the law of sowing and reaping or the law of reciprocity. God has given us a will. He doesn't violate it. And sometimes by our choices, we will reap things that we have sown for. Law of reciprocity. There's consequences in life. As fallen humanity, as people in this world can all understand, there are consequences to living in a fallen state. That there's disease in the world, there's infections, there's, there's all kinds of problems that we need to avoid. So the origin of sickness and disease and death does not come from God. Well, let's trace it to its source. Let's begin in the garden where our first parents were there and they sinned, right? They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Their eyes were opened. They sinned and they fell short of the what? They fell short of the glory of God. So sin enters the world. Now you have a fall. Now you have death coming into the human family. Then you have the breaking of natural laws as a result of that. When you, when you go against the way we are created to live, there's a repercussion, if you will, that happens because of certain laws that have been violated naturally. And then don't forget the devil was there. So you've got sin, the fall, the breaking of natural law, and then you've got the devil. He was involved in all of this. He was there at the beginning when the first sin occurred, deceiving and, and, and drawing our first parents into that transgression. The Bible says the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And so in various places in the scriptures, we see these things emphasized, that, that, that really all of this stuff that we, we battle with, sin, dis, uh, disease, sickness, and death, 
It's all working together. The gospel, though, obliterates it. The gospel of Jesus changes us, changes us spiritually and changes us physically and emotionally. But in various places of the Bible, we see that even the devil is involved in sickness. Take a look at what we read in Acts 10, 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. So somehow healing and dealing with the demonic are related in the scriptures. They overlap a lot. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus talked about a woman who was there who was bound by Satan for 18 years with a demonic spirit afflicting her, and he dealt with it. So sometimes sickness happens in people's lives because of the power of the enemy directly that is crippling them and afflicting them. I think we've underestimated the the role of the devil in this. Some theological camps that just push him over here and say, no, that doesn't happen anymore. He doesn't torment people anymore. And the Bible says that's not true. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The good news is Jesus came to deal with him. 1 John 3.8, the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the devil's work. And he has crushed the head of the serpent. Amen? He has crushed it. And in his name, we have victory over everything the enemy can possibly throw at us. We are above the enemy, not below. God does not dish out sickness to his people to torment them. Sometimes, yes, there are consequences for actions that we have taken and uh, things that we've set in motion. But we should not confuse what God allows with what God ordains. Not all sickness is the result of sin. John chapter 12, there's a man born blind. The disciples came to Jesus, or some people asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither. It's not that issue. He said, this has happened so that the glory of God would be revealed in this person's life. But often, sin has had an effect on the human body, resulting in consequences, resulting in breakdown, sickness, and disease. So let's just get it straight again. Sickness, disease, death, God is not the author of that. He does not want us to have to experience those things. He wants to heal people. He's able to heal people. And then as well, we also know this, that the early church practiced a ministry of healing. And they, they did this amazingly well. I mean, if you look at the book of Acts, you'll see these dramatic healing encounters where people are touched by the power of God, like in Acts 3, the man at the temple, and Peter and John praying for him. And, and then in Acts chapter 8 in Samaria, Philip is evangelizing, and there's manifestations of healing that occur then. And the great revival in Acts 19 in Ephesus, people were set free from the demonic, and they were healed in that setting as well. And there's many, many other places. And I think to myself, you know, maybe we should actually pay more attention to the early church and make sure that we're not, you know, going in a different direction than they were. And they even have some prayers that we could pray. And we, I think, wouldn't you agree that we should pray like the early church? I think that would be a wise thing to do. And so in our Bible, in Acts chapter 4, at verse 29 and 30, we've got 
a prayer there. All right? And before we read it and, and look at it, I want to set the context for you. In Acts chapter 3, there's just been a big healing, right? The man in front of the temple. Peter and John get in trouble over that. The authorities take them, put them in jail. Uh, they command them not to do this anymore. They said, no more healings. Stop preaching. And they said, we're not listening to you. We cannot but say and talk about the things that we've seen and heard. So they get released from the prison. These guys are so bold. They come back to the, to the house where all the other believers are. They get praying about things. And then in verse 29, we see their prayer going in this direction. Take a look at it. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Hey, didn't they just get in trouble for boldness? I mean, they got in a lot of trouble because they're so bold. It doesn't matter to them. They're saying, give us more, more boldness, Lord. And verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Wow. That's courage. That's passion. That's really obedience as the people of God. To say, Lord, would you do what only you can do in our region? Would you stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of your servant, Jesus? Would you do it now? I don't know about you, but I am praying that prayer over our city. Often. Stretch out your hand, Lord. Let there be a mighty outpouring. Let people know it's you. Set captives free. Release people from darkness. Heal them in body, soul, and spirit. After they prayed that prayer, the place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. <laughs> oh, I love the early church. Boldness got them into trouble, and they said, we need more. <laughs> and you know, all throughout church history, there's been bold men and women of God. They have always believed God. There's always been a remnant that has believed God for the full expression of his kingdom. doesn't matter what age of the church you look at. I've looked at all of it, you know, from the time right after the first 12 apostles right through to the second, third century, into the medieval ages, to the Reformation, to the revival periods, the great awakenings, to now. God has always kept for himself a remnant of people who are so radically open to him that he can actually pour things through them that need to be done on the earth. It's been documented. I think many of us like it to be in the history books, but we say, I don't know if it can happen right now. Let me tell you something, friends. It's happening now in our times. We're living in an amazing age when God, God is restoring to his bride. In this part of the world, for sure, it's been active in other places of the world, but in this part of the world, he is restoring to his church the fullness of the gospel. As Pastor Nathan preached last week, there is no gospel without power. Not in my Bible. Not in yours. Gospel is not just information. It's not just about life insurance to go to heaven. Paul said in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto the salvation of everyone who believes. It is the power of God. God is doing a phenomenal thing in our times and we get to be in on it. I'm so uh, thankful for the founder of the Alliance Movement 125 years ago, Dr. A.B. Simpson, who was a Canadian who then went to the U.S. 
started this whole movement called the Alliance. And in his view, healing was central to the gospel. So we have this saying, Christ our Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. This is core to the Alliance churches in the whole world, in Canada, U.S., and beyond. And so he has defined that as part of our history and part of our roots. So I've been reading his book called... um, the Gospel of Healing, it was an ordination required read back in my day. I think it still is. And uh, I just went, wow, he says it so well. I want to share with you uh, what I pulled out of that little book. This is what he says. And he quotes from the scriptures first. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This was the faith once delivered unto the saints. What has become of it? Why is it not still universally taught and realized? Did it disappear with the apostolic age? Was it withdrawn when Peter, Paul, and John were removed? By no means. It remained in the church for centuries and only disappeared gradually in the growing worldliness, corruption, formalism, and unbelief. This blessed gospel of physical redemption is beginning to be restored to its ancient place and the church is slowly learning to reclaim what she never should have lost. But along with this, there is also manifested such a spirit of conservative unbelief and cold, traditional, theological rationalism as to make it necessary that we should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And I say to A.B. Simpson, amen, amen, amen. Yes. The church that stewards the gospel should expect that God will do something that only God can do. We've done conferences here two times a year. We do a Holy Spirit encounter approximately two times a year. We've done soul care conference. And at those conferences, we've prayed for healing. Guess what? In those settings and on Sundays in the last three years, there's been at least 200 people healed here in 36 months. Yeah. I'm talking about real people here. I'm talking about people with cracked spines, with aneurysms in the brain, inner ear distibula, cancer, back pain, arthritis, knee injuries, and so on. I remember at one of those conferences, I'm at the back over there, it's Saturday night, we've already prayed for a whole bunch of people, it's 10 o'clock, I'm going home, I'm on the next morning, and one of the ladies there, she's about 60 years old, she says, can you pray for me? Uh, my shoulders, you know, I got, I got a rotator cuff injury and it won't go away, and I said, sure, I'm thinking, um, time to shut the shop down, but no, okay, you know. <laughs> We'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. I laid my hands on her, and I just listened to God for a while. And actually, I said very little, and I just said, in Jesus' name, rotator cuff be restored. I was pretty tired. I said, test it out. So she starts going like this, and something popped, and she went, I, I can do this. The pain's gone. She started rotating it in, saying, I never had that movement before. I, I, I've been like this for 14 years. And then she said, I have a friend. She's here tonight. She's got the same thing. Can we pray for her? Sure, it's 10.05. We pray for her. Her rotator cuff gets healed. When I left, they were going like this, looking at each other, talking. I'm like, that's just a good day. Next morning, we celebrated that in the end of the conference. And these are the things that God does. On, on our last Holy Spirit encounter, we, uh, Pastor Nathan and I were looking for someone to volunteer to be ministered to on the front, in front of everybody, someone with a need. And God kept highlighting this young mom She's about 30 years old, and Nathan went up to her and he said, do you have a need in your life that requires healing? She says, oh, do I? 
We're like, you're on. So she came up, and we found out um, her need was she had lesions on her brain, something, some kind of marks on her brain that the doctor said, this is not good. And this is a young couple. They're farmers way north. I don't know how they heard about us. They came down here, and they had a heart for world missions, and they were just putting their plans on hold, and this sickness had come into their lives. And she's a healthcare worker. So we prayed for her, and we ministered to her, and I'm thinking to myself, well, I sure hope and pray that God will heal your brain of the tumors that are there, whatever they are. But we won't know. But it was the woman that God highlighted to us. And so we prayed for her, and we blessed her, and someone from our church prayed over her before she went out, someone who had had a brain aneurysm. Two and a half months later, we get an email from her. Take a look at the picture of this girl. That's her. That's the mom in the top right corner. She's healed. No marks on the brain. MRI done. Proof medically in. In Jesus' name, she was healed. Yeah, that's good. So how much does that mean to a 30-year-old mom with kids? A lot. How much does that mean to her husband and her family and her church? It means a lot. Jesus is still healing people today. Yeah, I know there's some that didn't get healed. I know. I know. And we're going to look at that for a moment here and try to figure out some things about it. But let that not take away from the biblical reality that our God is a healing God. Healing is a sign of the kingdom. It's one of the ways that God manifests himself. Every time God heals someone, every time when he's done the healing, it's not only for the need in their body, but it's an invitation for them and those around to encounter the kingdom. It's always about entering in and knowing God more. So sometimes God will heal people and they'll, they'll have the blessing of that, and then he's, he's receiving their parents or friends or, or co-workers into the kingdom as they repent and believe the good news. It's amazing what God does. And some reasons why people don't get healed, well, I think we can biblically say there are some. And so I want to just share with you some of those reasons. So tell the person beside you, these are some of the reasons why people don't get healed. I'm not claiming that they're all the reasons. They're just the ones I felt I could share with you today. Sometimes people aren't healed because of unbelief. Their unbelief prevents them from entering into an encounter with God, and so they, they don't ask for it, they don't expect it, and God allows that. So in Matthew 13, Jesus could do no miracles in that place because of their unbelief. He marveled at it. He's like, whoa. A lot of unbelief. Another reason why people sometimes aren't healed is because there may be, not always, sometimes, undealt with sin in their life. Particularly bitterness and unforgiveness. We know that is the enemy's territory. That's where the enemy gets hooks in people. Bitterness, unforgiveness, sin, unconfessed sin. Psalm 66, verse 18. If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord will not have listened to me. He just won't listen to me if I am practicing sin. So I can ask all I want, and God's like, ah, no, I'm not going to move on you until we deal with that. Then there's this reason. Maybe the person has an identity in their sickness. 
and they don't want to be healed even though they ask for healing. Anybody ever prayed for someone in that condition? Yeah, you guys. Please, please pray for me. I want to be healed. And then you press and you go, no, they don't want to be healed. They've made friends with their sickness. They've got an identity in their pain. I don't understand that. But it shows up in the scriptures in John 5 at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus comes to a guy who's been laying there for 38 years, sick pretty much every day of his life. And Jesus says to him, hey, do you want to get well? And the guy says, well, I got no one to help me. He didn't even answer the question. Sometimes that identity and sickness keeps people from accessing God's healing. Then there's demonic affliction. I talked about that in Luke 13, the woman who was crippled by Satan for 18 years. You got to deal with the demonic, and then the healing happens. Sometimes it's not asking for it. It's like me and my sinusitis. For two years or four years, I, I just put up with it, thinking it's my cross to bear. And then I thought, enough of the cross to bear. <laughs> I want the sinusitis gone. And when I asked, it happened, but it didn't happen instantaneously. And sometimes it's because God is simply using natural means to restore the person. Maybe they've gotten a cold or a, an infection, and maybe they're just, God is just saying, I want you to rest in me. And he's restoring them physically through natural means. It might involve healing through medicine. God heals people through medicine. Nothing wrong with that. We just don't want to go to it first, right? We want God to be first and then if he chooses to heal us through natural means, medicine and so on, we'll take that too. It's not a second-class healing. And sometimes a healing has not occurred in a person's life, and we just simply say this, it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. And we leave it with God. We don't know everything. And we camp on the revelation of the truth that God is a healer. When we pray for people and some of them aren't healed and they go home, that does not diminish that God is a healer. God has lost nothing. We just don't understand everything. So I know that some of you have had experiences where you've, you've been really, really put out by this and it's hard. And I'm not saying it's, it's easy, but I'm calling you to the biblical revelation. God is a healer whether we're healed or not. God is a healer whether we understand it or not. And when he does heal, we need to celebrate that. And I've met people who said, no, you shouldn't celebrate that because there's people in the church who didn't get healed and it's not fair to hurt them. Well, I, I, got, I got to take my cues from the Bible. I'm sorry. I just got to take it out of the book which talks about proclaiming the mighty works that he has done. If God does a mighty work, we're going to proclaim it. It's his deal. We don't have the power. We don't bring anything to this. We, we bring our willingness. We submit ourselves. We, we express our faith. But it's God who heals through Jesus Christ. Genuine faith always has the aspect of hope in it. And hope will not let us be disappointed. So let's not make the mistake, friends, of building a whole theology around what people say God doesn't do. When I look at my Bible, I do not see a sermon by Jesus that says, here's all the reasons why people won't get healed. Teach this. I don't see that. And the seven things I shared with you, they're hints. They're part of the answer. We will never know the full answer, but we do know this. God is a God who heals. And everybody who came to Jesus got healed. In two weeks, we're going to deal with the whole issue of disappointment, so I'm not going to go further there, but just know if you've got some hurts here, we're going to ask God to really touch us two weeks from now. 
so we can land in faith and mystery. God is a healing God. Let me put it to you this way. Would you believe that if someone came to a church service and they prayed to uh, receive Jesus into their life, they repented of their sins authentically, they asked Christ to be their Lord and Savior, that they would be saved? Do you have faith for that? Yeah. Happens a lot, right? Not just here. Happens in many places. So we have faith for this, that God will rescue people from darkness, that God will make people who are spiritually dead come alive by praying a prayer in Jesus' name. We have faith for that. That they will be resurrected to newness of life. Eternal life will be in their souls because they prayed a prayer. And we go, yep, that's no problem. That's a miracle, right? So if we can have faith for that miracle, surely we can have faith for Jesus to touch people physically. Which is the greater miracle? The new birth. Because it's forever. All healings are a foretaste of the glorified body that we get one day. But salvation in terms of regeneration, new birth, becoming a son or daughter of the king, that's forever. So I'm just saying, can we not also have faith for the other side of the gospel? That the God who saves souls heals bodies. Amen? He does. Yeah, but... Okay, just hang on to the yeah, buts. Stick for six. Let's see what God will show us in his word about that. And I don't know about you, but I just really believe this book. I don't have to understand it all to believe it. But when it says in Psalm 103, he forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases, I say that is true. I don't know how that all works, but it's, it's true. You see, we live by faith, not by sight. And really, it's our faith that we step into first, and then understanding comes with it. It's not understand first, get all the arguments solved logically, and then you believe. No, 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 that's not the biblical way. By faith, we understand that the worlds were formed by the, by the hand of God. By faith, we understand. Faith first. Understanding is important. We should be students of the word. We should build carefully our teaching, our beliefs, and always keep re-examining them. Are we in the camp of orthodoxy? But faith is essential. So does Jesus heal today? Of course he does. Do all people get healed who ask for it? Apparently no. Does that mean that he's not a God who heals? No. He's our healer. And every time someone is healed, it is a demonstration of the kingdom of God in our midst. Wow. So that means God's demonstrating his kingdom in our midst. All through the same Jesus, right? Who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm going to invite our worship team up. We're going to close. In Hebrews 13.8, we have this verse here that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think it reminds us that we have to have our faith anchored in the Jesus who transcends all realms. He's the same Jesus in heaven as he was on earth, right? He's not up there in heaven, glorified, sitting at the Father's right hand, and not approachable. Some people think that. They say, well, he's all, he's all different now, and we can't go to him. No, that's not what the Bible says. By faith, we approach the throne of grace to obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. 
we can approach the Jesus of forever, the Jesus seated at the hand of the Father in eternity. He's the same Jesus. He wants to heal you. He wants to set captives free. Well, someone might say, I don't have a problem with the Jesus of forever, and I don't have a problem with the Jesus of yesterday. I know that he healed. It's the Jesus of today that I don't understand. Well, friends, listen to me. The Jesus of today is the same Jesus who's the Jesus of forever and the Jesus of yesterday. Where is he? He's here. He lives in the body, in the church. He's fully alive in his people. And he has said to us to go out in his name and proclaim healing over people just the way he did. He said, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing. And you will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You're on. He's saying, come on, team. Come on. It's your turn. I'm going to the heavenly realms. I'll be with you till the end of the age. I'll be present with you by my Holy Spirit. I will live in the church. I will live in the heart of every single believer. And when you, in my name, lay hands on people, I'm going to do something for them. So he commissions his church out every generation to a fresh work of mission. He's sending us out in his name to declare that our God heals. And we are seeing healings and we will see more. We're going to learn our way forward in surrendered humility, reminding ourselves it's not us, it's him. He's an awesome God. So I want to lead you in a prayer as we set apart this series for the next six weeks. And just bow your heart with me for a moment now. Let's just go to God right now, right now. Talk with him. Commune with him. You may be here this morning and you've never begun the journey with Jesus for real. You've never really given your life to him. I want you to do that right now. I want to ask you to call on him right now. The Bible says whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on him right now. Ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Repent of your sins. Trust in him. Ask him to change you from darkness to light. Ask him to give you the new birth to be born again of his spirit. Ask him for that right now. It's not a religion. It's an authentic, living relationship with Jesus. And he wants you to trust him right now. So why don't you just say, Jesus, I am trusting you right now for the first time. I am giving myself to you right now. And I thank you. I receive you as my Lord and King. Some of you need to get reacquainted with Jesus. You're a believer, but it's been a long time since you've encountered him in his kingdom. God wants to pour a fresh thing inside of you from his spirit. He wants to release you from problems and hassles and distractions. He wants to strengthen you. Ask him to do that right now. Ask him to touch you with his presence. Some of you have a need in your life physically. Ask Jesus to heal you today, right where you're sitting. 
Say, Lord Jesus, I'm asking you to heal this in my body. I ask you as my God and King and Savior to take care of this. And by faith, I welcome this right now. Whatever your need is, ask him for it right now. So if God has spoken to you and you've taken a step of faith, I want you to stand up right now as a declaration that yes, today, I have responded to God. Would you stand up whether you've prayed to receive him into your life, you've asked for a new work inside of you, trusting for him, just stand up wherever you are and pray over you. God's work will continue inside of you. stand for him. Be bold. You're in the midst of family. So Lord, I pray that the work that has started in all these hearts would now increase. That you would take them all, Lord, to that place of blessing. That you would pour out your presence upon everyone who stood. For those who trusted in you for the first time, Lord, would you fill them now with your spirit they would have the sense of the Father's love come upon them through your wonderful presence. For those who need healing, we pray for the healing right now. God, that you would do it. Heal them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Heal them, we pray. For those who need the fresh work in their lives, God, would you stir up their hearts with faith. Give them strength. Give them a new beginning. We break off condemnation and shame fear and say, Lord, none of that needs to be on these brothers and sisters. Give them, Lord, peace now as they fully surrender to you. Let's all stand together. Friends, it's time to get our hopes up. We believe in a God who heals, amen? He's doing it. He's getting us ready for more. So I'm going to release you now. If you have a need in your life you'd like to be ministered to, the ministry team will be up here. You'll see them. They'll have lanyards on. Let us pray for you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Go in his name. We'll see you next Sunday.